everyone. I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Thanksgiving week. Welcome to another episode of How'd She Do That? I am so happy that you're here. I am so eager to share the conversation with my amazing guest, Emily Hammer, today of Edith Hour. And I am so thankful because this past weekend, oh my gosh, I got a new sister-in-law. So my brother got married this weekend And my twin sister, Whitney, and I were honored to be bridesmaids in their wedding. And we just had the most amazing time. I am always reminded with crazy weekends like this one, um, just how amazing my family is. My family is incredible. Um, My twin sister, our amazing parents, and then a younger brother, Travis, who got married to beautiful Kate, um, who we love, who is now Mrs. Warren, which is insane to me. Um, Mrs. Travis Warren. But it was such a great weekend, and I'm still on a high from that. I'm actually in Dallas this week for Thanksgiving. You may be driving, or perhaps you're on a flight right now and you're listening. Thank you for allowing me to join you in your travels. I hope that you all have a very safe and happy Thanksgiving. We have something really special happening this week. Not just today, we have an amazing conversation coming up that I'm eager to share, but we also have an episode going out actually tomorrow. So we have our Uh, Thanksgiving episode. I wanted to do that the day before Thanksgiving. So you have quite a bit of things you can listen to this week as you're traveling. And then perhaps after Thanksgiving, just continue that theme of gratitude by listening to our Thanksgiving episode, which will be out tomorrow. That episode is actually a review of our previous episodes all the way back to, I think, episode 21, maybe. Um, And that is keeping up the theme of last year's Thanksgiving episode. If you have been around for that long, last year we did a Thanksgiving episode where I just shared my gratitude for my previous guests, re-highlighted them, and shared some of my behind-the-scenes memories from the episode. So in this episode tomorrow, I review, gosh, a call with Nicola Bathy. We talk about my call with Maren Crosby. Um, We talk about, yeah, more recently, Alex Snodgrass of The Defined Dish. So there's just lots of really amazing conversations we've had on HSDT, and I want to always continue to figure out how to remind you guys of them because they are so encouraging. They're so timeless, as is today's episode, and I think that there's a lot to be said about the guests that we've had on, and I just wanted to do something that shared, again, my gratitude to them, just re-highlighted what they've shared on the podcast, and again, remind you guys, my listeners, how thankful I am for you to be a part of this journey. So all of that to say, we have a ton happening over here at How'd She Do That? Last little update I wanted to share before we dive in with my conversation with Emily of Edith Hour would be that this week we have been highlighting different ways to support HSDT. I am racking my brain over here in regard to how I can make this my full-time gig. That is my goal and that's my hope and it's been really fun to share that with you all on our Friday Favorites episode, peel back the curtain a little bit, um, but we have a lot of plans that 
that I'm excited about for the new year, perhaps some rebranding, more merch, lots of different things, but really we can't continue on without your support. So the the donations, um, the the thought of coming to our links and clicking through and purchasing um, and you guys supporting through Emily's edits, we're going to continue to figure out how we can make this uh, be something that's sustainable because I love it and it's my most favorite thing. So thank you guys for your support. Uh, Should you want to leave a five-star review, that's always an option and always encouraged. And again, thank you guys so much for letting me communicate some of the business side of things of the podcast with you all today. Well, how about this? Let's dive into today's conversation. This is one that I loved. Emily is amazing. I'm going to let you guys get to know her. Here is Emily Hammer on How'd She Do That? Today's guest, Emily Hammer, is the founder of Edith Hour, a company creating everyday luxuries for the sole purpose of keeping you feeling, looking, and living your best. Known as the ultimate girly girl, and we mean that in the best way possible, Emily believes there should be beauty in everything. So, what began as a lifestyle obsession for fashion and glamour grew into a passion for celebrating self-care. She set out to defy the shapeless robes and mundane sweats that mismatched her spirit and created the Edith Hour Collection, encouraging women to take care of themselves. Edith Hour was named after Helen Edith, Emily's dearest grandmother, who taught her to begin each day with her favorite lipstick, a beautiful smile, and her best foot forward. When Emily isn't designing cult-like favorites, as in her ready robe or the Boca dress, or working full-time, she is likely updating and decorating her 1950s ranch home with her husband in Houston, Texas. Emily, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thank you, Emily. That was so kind. And I'm so glad we're not on video because my face is (laughs) beet red right now. That was so flattering. Oh my goodness. Well, it shouldn't be. I mean, everything I just said was true and we're going to dive in and we're going to talk about all of this. Um, But I have to say, I I held off on doing a first. I was so tempted. You guys, I have an Edith Hour piece. I was so tempted to wear it right now. It's actually a nightgown, but I was concerned that I might be so relaxed. It could take away from from my focus on the conversation. (laughs) So that would have been a first, but right off the bat, I mean, compliments to you because your pieces are beautiful, your brand is beautiful, and I've been so eager to to have you on. So again, welcome. I'm I'm ready to dive in. I want to hear from yeah. you. Um, perhaps let's start. Let's start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about maybe where you're from and perhaps where you went to school. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm from Houston, Texas, and that's where I currently live. Um, but when it came to college, I was kind of the odd girl out and <laughs> left the state of Texas for college. Um, my mom is, you know, we call her a Yankee. And so she raised <laughs> me to be very, you know, college is a time to leave home and kind of explore new places. And so I went off, I was looking for, it's so funny to think back on it now, a small liberal arts school that had a genetics major. Oh. And sororities. Those were oh. that was my criteria, <laughs> um, and it landed me at Ohio Wesleyan in small town Ohio, and I absolutely loved my four years there. 
and encourage everyone to spread their wings when it comes to college. Oh, oh my goodness. Quickly, the genetics major quickly went to the wayside wayside. (laughs) as I realized, you know, those bio classes were not my friend (laughs) and ended up majoring in psychology. Oh, wow. And I was, we may get to this, but I started a blog in college. And so, you know, to my peers, everyone else was going off when they graduated to you know, get their doctorate or go do research or all the things that a typical psych grad does. <laughs> and I was rebranding my blog. <laughs> and so they were, it was kind of the odd girl, like, what is she doing in this major? Oh my gosh. Well, no, but that's so interesting because, well, I want to backtrack. What was the idea and hope behind a genetics major? What would you have even done with that? So I wanted to be a genetics counselor. Now, what does that, what does that person even do? Emily, I don't. Did you get far enough to find out? I don't even fully understand it. Um, I was really enthralled with, you know, the science of genetics and this whole idea that when you're married or wanting to start a family or have a kid on your own, whatever, whatever your path may be, you could go to a genetics counselor oh, wow. and get testing done. Okay. You, know, you have this amount percentage chances of your child having X, Y, or Z. Okay. I see. You're putting the pieces together and you just reminded me through, through that moment, my hope going into college, which I don't think I've actually shared this before, um, was potentially geriatrics, the, the study of becoming old. So, um, I'm with you on like, that was such a random idea and totally did a different thing. So I, but I love it. I love thinking about you stepping into this psychology major and you mentioned in college, you actually started a blog. What year was this? Tell us a little bit about the inspiration originally for your blog. Yeah. So I started in 2012 And this was, you know, back in blogspot days where the main bloggers were Emily Schumann of Cupcakes and Cashmere, Blair Edie, and my friend in college, who's still one of my best friends, she had started a blog and encouraged me to do so. And it was called, I'm cringing, I named it Simply Southern. (laughs) That's not too cringe. I think now it's like a very Southern t-shirt company. Um, (laughs) But in Ohio, to all my friends, I was kind of the token Southern girl. Yes. So it played on that. And I, my college graduation present, actually, because I was very passionate about it, was a rebrand of my blog. Oh, my gosh. Oh. And now you will find random, very random posts whenever the inspiration hits. Oh my gosh. Well, this is so interesting because one, 2012, that was fairly early in the blogging world and seeing what were you chatting about on the blog? What was, I mean, it was, it was kind of Southern Belle-esque at that point. Was it fashion? Was it makeup? What, what were your posts and what was it that you were kind of passionate about sharing? It was mainly fashion and clothes and 2012, this was right before Instagram came out. So there were only a few people really taking outfit pictures. And, you know, the idea of posing in your daily outfit was just starting to be a thing, which I know to probably some of your listeners is 
potentially mind boggling. <laughs> um, but there was a lot of headless photos that happened of outfits. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Yes. And a lot of link roundups and collages. See, but it's so funny because as you're saying this, I mean, I guess everything comes full circle because that's that's back. I mean, we're kind of back to that. And anytime I'm talking to brands and whatnot, they're, they're talking about these different affiliate links and kind of doing the the recommendations and gift guides. It's, it's almost something that you got in at the early stages because I could actually even learn a few things from you present day because that's still such a key entity of, of people online. So I'm fascinated that this was kind of something you stepped into in college. Now, tell us about that post-grad season of life. You mentioned you were gifted a rebrand. Are you moving forward with the blog full-time? Are you making an income? What did that kind of look like for you? So the there was no income, and affiliate links were also just on the up and up. So it was, you know, sidebar ads that were few and far between. But after college, I really wanted to move to New York City. That was my personal end-all be-all, like many other women in their early 20s. And so I moved in with a good friend from college and her family in New Jersey with the intent of getting an internship in the city, which thankfully happened a few months into living with them. And I interned at a showroom in New York and had a ton of fun. It was one of those internships that I think a lot of people get in where you really think you're going to get the job and then, you know, just some internal things happen and the position is no longer there. Wow. So after a few months of commuting from New Jersey to the city for this internship, I needed to reorient my path. And my friend that I was living with, she had moved to DC. And so it was kind of this, Emily, you can't be living with your friend's family in New Jersey anymore. <laughs> like You need to get your time has come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, overstayed your welcome. And I had a friend from college and a friend from home that were living in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, wow. And they convinced me to move there. Oh my gosh. With nothing lined and up. Nothing lined up. So I had an interview at Nordstrom and I had put out a few feelers in retail because to backtrack a little bit, I've worked in retail on and off since high school. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I could find something in that world. And, you know, I had a car, thankfully, and, you know, it was halfway between the East Coast and Texas. And so I just, me and my Ford Escape, we just drove down to Nashville to an apartment that I had never seen. <laughs> and I spent four years there. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Okay. No, tell me this. How long were you in New York? I was there from the summer after I graduated to the summer of 2013 until October, 2013. So kind of okay. that summer fall. Okay. So this is so interesting. The reason I ask is because I did the exact same thing upon graduating. And you guys, before Emily and I started recording, we're like, how do we know each other? How is this? So I, I mean, I don't think we met in New York, but I was definitely there at the same time you were. So it's, yes, it's so fun to hear that that was something that you had hoped to do. And I, I don't know if you would agree with this, but as someone who's done the New York thing, it's, it's, a, it's such an amazing experience, but yeah, if there's an opportunity to move to Nashville with girlfriends, it 
I mean, New York is amazing, but to be able to escape and, and to get out and be able to do something new like you did is so impressive. And for you to just jump in the car and drive on. Now, tell me this, because a lot of my listeners could definitely relate to kind of like, oh, this move and even another entity that you just shared that I think is really interesting and very key for those of you who are listening who are maybe looking to go to New York you really need to be there. You really do need to live with your friend's family and and stay with them and commute. I mean, that's very common um, way of doing life in New York. But I think too, just getting there and being there, that's going to be something that it feels like an uphill battle. But once you're there, you can step in and find these different roles. So at that season, you're moving to Nashville are you excited? Are you feeling on top of the world? Are you like, let's do this? Or wh- what was that season like? Because when I left New York, I, I went into kind of a season of, I'm kind of depressed. I'm kind of like, oh gosh, wh- what am I doing? What, so what was that move like for you? So in a bittersweet way, I never actually lived in the city. Yeah. So I think that made it a lot easier. Yes. Looking back on it, I was kind of lame. Um <laughs> I, you know, I took the train in, the office was very close to the train station. So I never really fully immersed myself in New York. Yeah. And my friends were also still living with their parents in Connecticut and New Jersey and kind of figuring out what their move was. So I think it was helpful that I never really had the full New York experience. So it was a little easier to leave. Yes. And I went, I went to Nashville with bells and whistles. I was very excited about a new city trying it out. I'm kind of a no regrets person. I think you can learn something. There's always a lesson to be learned. Absolutely. Well, and two, to be able to just pick up at that age and be like, I'm off, I'm ready, I'm going. So tell us as you got settled in Nashville, what did it look like to ultimately find a role there? You mentioned you were there for four years. What did this season look like for you? Yeah. So I think this is a good story. So I had an interview lined up thanks to a girl from college whose sister worked at Nordstrom and she got me an interview and I had an interview in what they call the collector's department, which is Chanel, Alexander Wang, McQueen, you know, those very high end brands. And I rolled into that interview in God knows what, but it was not appropriate <laughs> to be interviewing to, you know, try and get a job selling women's Chanel jackets. Ugh. And the woman I interviewed with ended up becoming a mentor for my time there. And mm-hmm. she so sweetly kind of looked at me and was like, I don't think this is the department for you, <laughs> but I think that you would be good in another department. <laughs> Um, which I thank her every day for because my time there was incredibly valuable to my work and who I am now, but also to making friends because the retail world in Nashville in 2013, 2014 was very different than it probably is now. It was a lot of people in my similar age bracket that were moving there to try something new. So it was very easy to make friends at that point. So interesting. It's interesting to think too about, like you said, yeah, what is the difference in it now? Because that season, so many people, are they moving there? I mean, this is a little bit of a naive question. Are they moving there? You mentioned to do some, are they doing other things apart from retail? Are they blogging? Are they doing music? Is that kind of the vibe that you were in initially? Yes. Okay. I kind of call Nashville 
which people that you may, because you live in California or other people that live in LA may hate me for, but I kind of feel like it's the next LA. <laughs> no, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. We need a new LA. <laughs> yeah. You know, like every yeah. ex-bachelorette star is moving there and it's kind of become yes. this influencer hub. Yes. But, you know, that was now almost eight years ago. So it was so different. Wow. Yeah. And now at this point, are you doing the blog still? Is that something you're working on on the side or are you just getting acclimated and enjoying time with friends? No. So I was still blogging all the time. This is when I was you know, batch taking photos of my outfits and posting multiple times a week oh. throughout my entire time there. Now, is this because ultimately, and, and many of you who are listening, you you know Emily from her blog uh, because of how early you got started. Is this a time frame? You know what what is the ultimate goal for you at this time when you were thinking of the blog? Were you hoping it would grow into something crazy? What what was it that your definition of success was at this time when you're working at Nordstrom? You're in Nashville and you're doing the blog. What was the ultimate hope for it? That's such a great question because I. Th- think that I was self-aware enough to know that my blog was never going to take off in the big sense. And I kind of was okay with that. And I still enjoyed doing it. And I now to this day, which is why the posts are so sporadic is because I really try and only do it when I'm enjoying it and when the inspiration hits and not when I feel pressure to every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, have an outfit post up. Wow. But at that time, I, I really just enjoyed it. I really, I, so I went through in my four years there, I, I had three different jobs. Oh, wow. So I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Yes. And I always knew that the blog was a hobby. Wow. I never but- intended it to be my job or full time. It was always something that I did on the side. See, but that's so interesting to me. And I love, and I know we're going to unpack this too, because you guys, if if you caught this in the intro, Emily also has a a full-time role. And I think a lot of people on social media and a lot of people with, with brands, they might not disclose, but they have another entity that they're working. How was it that you always knew that it would be a hobby? What what was it that you were like, this is going to be just a hobby for me? Was it a time commitment or was it feeling as though the, the the blogging world was oversaturated. I'm so curious as to what convinced you, you know, this is always just going to be for fun. I think it takes a lot for someone to be successful. Yeah. And having started blogging when I did, I think I had a different take on it. Yeah. And I was following, you know, the Liz Adams. Yes. And Emily Schumann's very and not to discredit anyone else, but it was very wholesome. Yes. And, you know, in all honesty, it takes a lot of money. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that a lot of people don't necessarily talk about. And now it's the hot topic is, you know, how much money do you make? How much money do bloggers make? But right. it also takes a lot of money if you want to have good photos, you have wow. to hire a photographer, if you always want to have fresh clothes. Wow. And... I kind of think that keeping up with the Joneses mentality a little bit, I knew was never going to be for me. Wow. 
Well, and you said all that so eloquently, even, even as you're sharing, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, let's break it down. Cause this is something I rarely think about, but it's very interesting. You're buying, you're paying for a photographer, you're buying new clothes to do post. Okay. So who knows how much that could cost you. You're updating your website. Um, there's just so many things. And I love that we're kind of pulling back the, the veil on it a little bit. Yeah. Social media can be amazing. Emily and I met through social media. There's so many good things about it, but there is a whole other entity. And I've had guests come on that, that have said, you know, there's an entity that people don't talk about the money made in blogging or social media. It's almost a little bit of a yeah, secret kind of factor. There's just, it, there's a lot to it. You guys, I guess is what I'm getting at. And, and I love Emily that you're sharing. Yeah. I was never going to be keeping up with the Joneses. I was going to continue to have fun. And by the way, when you do post, I love it is genuine. It is true to the inspiration you're feeling in the moment. And we can really tell when people just post to post. So I love that that was ultimately your your setup. Now, you mentioned this, you had a few other roles. So so tell us about those. You're, you're at Nordstrom. And then what was the next step for you uh, in your season in Nashville? So after leaving Nordstrom, I went and was the assistant manager of a locally owned boutique okay. that my friend was managing. And I was there for about a year. And that was a ton of fun, but I realized that I wanted to get out of retail. Okay. I, as I mentioned, have worked in retail for so long and could probably easily be a shop girl the rest of my life. <laughs> and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I just knew I wanted to explore other sides of the business. Wow. And I went on to work for Simon Property Group at one of their what they call Mills properties, which are in between an outlet mall and a regular mall. Oh, interesting. I, yeah. So each one of their properties has a marketing team. And I went and joined the marketing team of the Simon Mall in Nashville. Wow. So you have the retail experience under your belt. Then you step into marketing. You guys, I always love to think about guest stories, and we all know where we're headed. We're headed <laughs> to talk about the Edith Hour. Yes. So I see these two things coming together. They obviously served you well. What was after, perhaps tell us, what was after that marketing role? You And, and did you enjoy that time? Yes. I very much enjoyed my time in the more corporate retail world. Yeah. I learned a lot, but after about four years of living in Nashville, I kind of had developed this little theory that I have, you have, I have three buckets, one being relationships, friendships, and work. And so when one or two are lagging, but the other one is really full, it kind of balances out. Hmm. Does that make sense at yeah. all? Yeah. No, it so really does. I felt like all my buckets were kind of on the decline. Wow. Yeah. And so I was trying to figure out, you know, what's, what's my next move? What bucket can I fill or do I need a relocation? And that's when I decided to move back to Houston. Wow. And your family was still there. My family was still there. My little brother had actually taken time out of, off of school and we both moved back home. Oh. And so my parents were like, I thought we got rid of both of you and now you're back at the exact <laughs> same time. 
That is so funny. But you know that, that, and I love this because so many of my guests, and it's really fun to connect with you, Emily, because um, I think we're around the same age, but that's such a common factor post-grad. And I think it's something, especially with COVID, good grief, but something that we really need to, to normalize a little bit more. I mean, my husband had that season. I had that season. My twin sister had that season. So by the way, if you're listening right now and that's the season you're in, good for you. You're saving money on rent. You're reevaluating. You're assessing what's next. So, so Emily, you get home. Did you have a job lined up in Houston? Or there? Nope. I moved to another city without a job. Wait, really? <laughs> I am not condo- fully condoning here. Oh my gosh. So you down in Houston. I did not have a job. I, you know, I had, you know, those same retail jobs that I'd worked all throughout college that I was able to pick up easily yes. back into. And then, you know, I, I had a few different jobs. And then in December 2017, yes. I had kind of a now or never moment. And then that's where Edith Hour started was I was kind of doing some, not odd jobs, but some jobs that I knew weren't forever jobs. Right. Which I think gave me the mental space to separate that from what I wanted to do in the long run. Wow. Okay. This is really fun. So December, 2017 is the starting point. But tell me this, because you have so much experience in retail, you have experience in marketing both yourself online through your blog, as well as corporate entities. So you have a lot of experience right off the bat. And you guys, I love to point this out. I'm talking about a very short time frame, as in a 20, correct me if I'm wrong, a 2012 graduation. 2013 graduation. 2013 graduation. Okay. So same year as me, 2013 graduation. We're talking 2017. You're stepping out to, to start something. Was this always, was there always a brand in you that, that you were like, what was maybe the first memory you have of thinking up Edith Hour? So even prior to Edith Hour, I always, and this sounds so, so cliche, but I always wanted to have a store. Oh yeah. I was the little girl that played store. Mm-hmm. I, all my friends knew, you know, I was always talking about like, when I have a store, it'll sell these things. <laughs> um, and my dad is an entrepreneur and has had many failed and successful businesses. Yeah. And so there's always kind of been that in me. Wow. And I've also been a very, I was thinking about how to phrase this. I don't really love the term go-getter for this, but I, I like a challenge and I like to figure things out. Wow. So, you know, when it comes to big decisions, like moving to Nashville or going to a new school, those things don't necessarily scare me. It's the smaller things that give me angst. Okay. Yeah. The idea for Edith Hour was, you know, I was at this crossroad and it was more the desire to create a brand. Wow. And kind of, figuring out what that was going to look like. And then thankfully the products I wanted to create fit into that brand. Wow. So this is really fun because you just unpacked a little bit more of your brainstorming of, of Edith hour and what it would ultimately be, but you wanted to create a brand. It was always something that you would hope to do. And I love what you just mentioned. The products kind of fell into the brand. So would you say you had the brand idea for Edith Hour before the specifics of the products? Yes. 
that is so interesting because you would think it would be the other way around. But no, I just, I wanted to create a brand that felt really relatable. Yeah. I felt like at that time I was just seeing, and there's nothing wrong with them. I buy these companies, you know, I buy right, these right. brands. I love these brands, but I wanted to put something out there that, that you and I could see ourselves in. Yes. So yes. a girl sitting in her nightgown on her couch, eating a bag of chips, right. <laughs> you know, binging Netflix all day, like making yes. something for her. Yes. Not the gal that's maybe always on vacation. Yes. Or yeah, something. So that was the, the core idea was a relatable brand. Wow. And, and since then, gosh, you, you have grown it into really something very beautiful. Um, tell us about when you came up with the name, because I know it honors your grandmother, but when was that aha moment of this is, this is what the name is? Cause I love the name. So I was on the phone with that same friend that convinced me to start a blog. Oh, what a good and friend. I know. And I, the idea for the ready robe had started to develop in my head. Okay. And the idea was, which I'm sorry, I'm jumping around, no, but fine. the idea for the ready robe came because I love getting ready. Like, remember when you're in college, everything is about getting ready. Like yes. where, whose room are we going to get ready in? Yes. What time are we getting ready? What time? And like three hours ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. And then you have roommates after college and that same culture is there, but then you know, you move in with a significant other or you live alone and that celebration and time of getting ready turns into nothing special. Yeah. Yeah. A mad dash maybe. Yeah. Yeah. A mad dash. Yeah. Um, throw on the mascara and get out the door. Yes. And so that's where the ready robe came from. And so I had this idea of, I knew I wanted to use the word hour to honor having that hour for yourself because it doesn't matter if you're getting ready for bed or a date night, you should still feel special yeah, and feel pretty. And so we had hour and I wanted the other half of it to be something with an old school feel, mm. something timeless and classic. And I texted my mom probably so late at night. And I was like, what was <laughs> Mimi's, what was Mimi's full name? Mm. And she you know, responded. It was Helen Edith. Mm. And there I was like, Helen Edith. And I emailed the woman I was working with on all my branding. And I was like, we got it. We're done. It's Edith Hour. <laughs> oh my Gosh. Well, the, it, it's just, it's such a good name. So to know that's the story behind it of like, mom, what, and to be able to find inspiration from your grandmother, I, I just think that's so sweet. And Edith Hour, it just rolls off the tongue. And so I, I love to hear about that moment of like, we've got it. Now tell us this, because you mentioned um, you had someone you were working with at that time. What did the beginning stage look like? Who, who did you have kind of assisting in different entities? Was that a web designer that you said the name to? Was that, you know, who was kind of on your team at this point? So I spent so long stalking websites that I liked, you know, yes. scrolling all the way to the bottom, seeing so if they had the credits Wow! and then calling those people Wow! and sent out so many emails getting pricing and, you know, seeing if it would be a fit. And I finally came across someone who I call my husband and I, she actually coined the name. She is the, the Thower fairy godmother. 
<laughs> um, because nothing would be what it is now without her truly. Oh. And she and I just clicked. Oh. And I highly recommend, you know, any being someone that's helped other people create brands or do logos and make color schemes. It's so much easier to do it for someone else than yourself. Wow. And I think starting it with her also was helpful because we were able to take the journey together Mm -hmm. versus me creating all these ideas in my head of, I want this type of font or these colors. And then someone presenting me with ideas and having that whiplash of, wait, 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 no, I never envisioned that shade of blue for my brand. Wow. So taking that journey with her was amazing because I was able in my spastic ways to explain to her what I wanted to create. And she sent it back more than I ever could have imagined. Well, everything, I mean, first of all, I want to backtrack because I love what you just shared. And I feel like I need to actually go and do this. Stalking websites that you loved. Was it important to you to get the website right first? Was that kind of the first piece of Edith Hour that was going to be, I mean, I, I guess it's the first thing that's seen, but was that a big portion of the brand that you're like, we've got to get this right? Yes. I am such a dork for good websites. And I think, you know, you're, it's like reading, a, judging a book by its cover. Yeah. You get onto a really good website and you are kind of immersed in it and you want to click around and you are intrigued by the colors and the fonts and you find fun things throughout the website. But I think if there's a boring website or a website that doesn't entice someone, that's an easy X out. Hmm. And so I, it was one of my, number one priorities was having what I believe to be an amazing website. Well, I mean, it is, I was, I was on it before we got on the call. It is, it's beautiful. This is so encouraging. Okay. This, I feel like you're speaking to me. I'm, I'm the audience here because I'm thinking (laughs) like, okay, I got to get how to shoot up podcast.com and and better. We got to get it like, okay. So, but, but again, for those of you who are listening, I mean, Emily sharing some great wisdom here, especially with her background in marketing and just the different entities that you've stepped into Emily of, of, yeah, I I want this to look good. This is going to be the first thing that people see. So in tandem, what did it look like to be working on a product and was the ready robe your original piece? Yes. So the ready robe was the first and only product for a few months. And that also involved a lot of cold calling. Yes. And a lot of cold calling and then taking notes and a lot of kind of white lies on the phone of, you know, someone would ask me a question and I would write it down and be like, okay, look that up afterwards. I have no clue what they're talking about, (laughs) you know, and then Googling and researching. And then the next cold call, I was more, I had, you know, more tools in my toolbox. Okay. Now when you say cold call, who, who is this person you're cold calling? Is this a, I mean, look at me, production person. (laughs) Is this a design person? Who, who are these people? I was cold calling Fabric houses, mills, cotton mills, manufacturers. Wow. I feel like I cold called the whole world there for a few months. (laughs) 
And then ultimately, I mean, but, but this is the nitty gritty that even, I, I mean, I've done, we've done like 65 episodes at this point, but even here, this is where I really am so impressed with my guests like yourself to think of a product in your brain. You knew what you wanted the ready robe to be like, you knew you wanted it to be cozy, soft, but not uh, something that you was too precious to, like you said, enjoy, lay on the couch, snack. And so you knew what you wanted, but then you have to find the appropriate people how long did it it take for you to get those people? So I thankfully was able to find a pattern maker uh, through a little bit of a God moment. Um, our, our paths crossed and we, she knew exactly what I wanted. She had worked in, you know, for other fashion houses that we all know and love. And so she really understood what I wanted. And then from there, it was, again, a lot of cold calling to manufacturers. And I'm so thrilled to be able to say that, you know, my manufacturer is here in Houston. Oh, amazing. That's which awesome. is so amazing. And they really understand what I want to do, which is give women product that they feel comfortable in and can last a lifetime. But then also is what I've kind of joke around about, but everything that we make is house guest friendly. Ah, because yes. I felt like a lot of the loungewear out there in terms of robes and nightgowns were either, you know, that midi maxi length or they were really short. Yes. It's really short in my mind. Yes. And I'm a pretty modest dresser when it comes to hem lengths. Yep. And I kept finding I was buying these nightgowns I was like, I would never wear this in front of my father-in-law. Right. Let alone like the mailman or the pizza man. Yes. So that is a, a big, big factor in everything I create is that I want everyone to feel comfortable, whether you're at your in-laws or your son has friends that are sleeping over and you don't want to change out of your nightgown. Yes. The, the weight of the cotton Oxford is very flattering. You know, there's no... Nothing sees through. Yeah, exactly. Nothing hugs. Yes, it's the perfect, I, the the thought that comes to mind, it's really the perfect Christmas morning, Thanksgiving morning, those holidays where you're around a lot of family members and you just, everyone wakes up, you want to get your coffee, you're not, you know, ready to put on the full day's look. That's where I think Edith Hour really comes into play. And and you've even moved in. I mean, uh, the ready robe is kind of the the OG, the classic. But gosh, you've got dresses now. You have all kinds of different things on the website. You guys, I'm kind of teasing this, but I'm going to give you a chance to connect with Emily. And you may have already looked up Edith Hour and whatnot, but you have so many different pieces. But tell us, tell us about what the launch looked like. Tell us about what it looked like and what it felt like to have someone purchase a piece. Crazy, Emily. <laughs> I truly, I still pinch myself anytime, every order. Oh, like someone wants to buy what I made. Yes. Um, the launch kind of goes back to my blogging days oh. in the sense that I was thankful to have made some really great cyber friends, as I yes. call them, yes. that were so supportive of me. Mm. And you know, just a lot of outreach of, remember me, we used to be cyber friends, or <laughs> I know that you follow me on Instagram, but I created a brand. <laughs> Would you like a robe? Oh my gosh. Yes. And this was in 2017, correct? This was in the 
summer. So I launched in July of 2018. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. So it was a quick turnaround. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which goes into a few other things. I have no patience in anything in life. It's really Likewise. my law. Um, and so when I get an idea for something, it's either happening then or it's never happening. Yes. Absolutely. So this was my biggest example of that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, it's so fun to think too. And and I love what you just mentioned about having those cyber friends. That's something I'm just now experiencing, but it's so much fun to really take that real life person and experience of, of who you are and to be able to connect with women and then to be able to have the launch. I'm curious, what has been the most surprising thing about launching a business and, and having product go out? What, what has surprised you the most? And perhaps what have you enjoyed the most? So what has surprised me the most has been photo shoots. Oh, wow. Which may be an odd answer, but, you know, being someone that's taken so many blog photos and yeah, done that for so long, I kind of thought that that would be so easy. I was like, yeah, I just find a pretty house and a photographer yes. and yeah, it just like happens. <laughs> uh, and that's so naive. And I, that has probably been my biggest hurdle. Mm. And I am so thankful to all of my friends that are my models Yes, yes. because, you know, I am, you know, in this one woman show, you know, models are expensive and I haven't, haven't been able to, or fortunate enough, which however you want to see it to hire models. And I'm always calling friends. And then I would say the other side of that, the thing that I love the most and probably enjoy the most is the customer service aspect. Wow. Yeah. I love talking to people. Yes. I love chatting with you, whether it's about your Edith hour purchase or what you're doing this weekend. Um, I thoroughly enjoy it. I love writing the notes on every order. I love emailing with people. And I just, I think it makes customers feel special. And it also, you know, it brings me back to why I did this is for the customers. Oh my gosh. Well, it, it's, it, I mean, it, it, it shows my, my, my package was beautifully done and you all will have to see they come in just, I mean, everything about it is so thoughtful and it really invites you into what the brand is hoping to bring to, to your home, which is relaxation, comfort, and just the element of taking a step back and enjoying that hour for yourself. Well, I would love to know, and this is a question that is often loaded, so I'll give you that heads up, but I would love to know what is perhaps the greatest lesson you have learned? The greatest lesson I have learned... My dad taught me this and I didn't really believe him before I started Edith Hour and I now really do is that people people are going to give you advice no matter if you ask for it or not and no matter if they have any interest or knowledge in the field. Yeah. And just to and this may sound rude and I don't mean it to sound rude, but to just politely, you know, thank them for their input, but not to take anything to heart too much. There's a quote I love that I'm not going to quote properly about, <laughs> um, you know, not taking advice from someone whose life you wouldn't want to live. Mm. And I think that goes hand in hand in, you know, I would have friends 
and I'm not calling, I'm not calling anyone out here. Right. Don't read into this. Yeah. But don't read it. But that, you know, are in completely different industries and may have very minimal even interest in fashion. Wow. That would call, you know, and have comments or suggestions or, well, are you doing this? And I just had to, you know, always remind yourself that opinion, not that it doesn't matter, but not to take it to heart too much because they don't know. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, your business isn't going to be for everyone and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So well said. I I, I think, I think we can all take a little piece of what Emily just shared and perhaps, Ooh, and this might, this might hurt somebody (laughs) listening. Perhaps that might be a trait you could actually think about friend. And I'm speaking to myself as well. You know, is there an element of, of offering unsolicited advice that might not be as helpful as you think? Um, so that, that's just a quick side note. There's always little homework moments, but, but I'm actually flipping it. Is that something that I should work on? Probably so. But I love what Emily's sharing in basically you knew what was going to be best. And there was so much that you knew and you knew when to let something slide off. It's like the saying water on a duck's back, right? It just, it doesn't mm-hmm. even stick. It just slides right off. So Oh, guys, that was a good one. That was a really good one, Emily. I'm like, oh, shoot, shoot. But so true and and such a great lesson to to have learned. And thank you for sharing it with us. Uh, I, I would love to know, what are you learning now? I am attempting to learn patience <laughs> and scaling and growing the business. Amazing. And I think a good example of that is you know, last summer, I had this idea for a dress and I was really pushing it and really trying to make it work. And I, it just wasn't clicking. I was pushing too hard. And I had to have a, a chat with myself and be like, Emily, you, this isn't clicking right now. This does not need to happen right now. Like, mm. Take a breath, come back to it. Well, and two, for those of you who we've mentioned this a couple of times, you have a full-time role currently, Right. I mean, you yes. have a you have a totally other entity that you're working on, and I just love that we would be able to highlight that 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 you're able to say, yeah, in the summer, no, I'm pushing too hard. This isn't coming together. So many people are focused on just like an insane, like a rocket trajectory of a business, and I love what Edith Hour is doing, and I love what you're doing. You're really laying the groundwork and the foundation. And have already found massive success in a very short time. But for you to say, you know, right now I'm learning, what is it going to look like to scale? What is it going to look like to grow? Well, we're really eager to to see that as well. We're, we're wondering as well and, and so excited about all that's to come. And, and I know too, you mentioned a dress. I know there's always something happening with you over at Edith Hour. Perhaps yeah. tell us what, what's next. What's next for you? Yeah, so we just launched our short and shirt set, which I'm very excited about. I have been living in this shirt. And so just what's next is a take on the book, a new take on the book address. So as I joked in a newsletter recently, it's getting, the book address is getting a little work done, a little (laughs) nip and tuck. Um, and I'm hoping to launch an updated version of her this coming year. 
I'm stopping myself from even saying a season because no, I, I know love it. myself. Yeah. <laughs> Very smart, Emily. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, we will have to stay tuned. And for those of you who are not familiar with the Boca Dress, we'll give you the opportunity to go and find her here shortly. Well, Emily, is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to? I think just to remember to lean on your people because your friends are there for you and your family is there for you. And, you know, being a one woman show, you know, my my mom is the shipping and receiving department when I'm out of town. Oh, the best. Um, And just, it never hurts. I think is something I've really learned and have tried to share with others. It doesn't hurt to send that text to that person that you haven't talked to in a few years, but you think they may know someone in the industry you're trying to get into. Yeah. The worst that they can happen is they say they don't respond. Right. <laughs> exactly. No, that's such a good point. I love that. And two, when you do things like that, you cultivate relationships. You, you, you bring people into what you're doing and they can be excited when they see the nip and tuck of the Boca dress because they connected you with the new designer or, or whatnot, you know? And so I, I love that advice of, of reaching out and not being afraid to do so. And like you said, don't be afraid to ask for help. Oh my gosh, there's so many pause and rewind moments in this episode, you guys. I hope that you've been doing that. I hope you've been pausing, rewinding, listening to all that Emily's sharing. And I love too, it's such a theme in your career and life, even from moves from New York to Nashville and all over the place, that friendship element and and keeping up with those friends, having your friends come and model for you. It's such a key part of your business and life. And and so I think this is a fun question to ask. Who do you know that should maybe come on and share their how'd she do that story? You know, I don't know her personally, but do you know of City Boots? (gasps) Yes, I do know of City Boots, but I don't know her either. Okay. I would love to hear Lizzie's story. Okay. Yes. Because her boots are beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. That is so fun. I think that Lizzie, I think she may have at least followed the podcast. Maybe she's listened to an episode. So, oh, that's a fantastic recommendation. And you all will have to stay tuned for a potential episode with her. Now I've been teasing this quite a bit, Emily, but where can listeners connect with you? Yes. At Edith Hour on all platforms, edithhour.com and Edith Hour on Instagram. Fantastic. Well, Emily, I feel like I could talk to you forever. You guys are going to love checking out Edith Hour. I have loved getting to know the brand and I've loved getting to know you today. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers or the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow for a new special Thanksgiving episode. We will talk to you soon.